Hello and welcome to Opera Apero. On today's episode, I'm by myself. No friends today. Uh, and that's because we're doing an Opera 101 episode where we talk about a topic that a newbie to the opera world might not know about. Um, and today's episode is going to be all about how to attend the opera. And so if you've never attended the opera and have some interest in doing so, uh, we're going to cover some tips and just go through the whole process of, you know, picking an opera to go to, um, picking an outfit, uh, sitting through the whole thing. Um, and it's pretty good time for it. Um, a lot of lockdowns ended earlier in the summer. Um, obviously we're in October right now, so the summer is over, but, uh, we still haven't gone back into lockdown, so hopefully this is something that will be continue to be relevant. Um, I know that as a person who lives in Berlin, um, the Berlin Staatsoper just announced a discount on a bunch of tickets for the next like five to six weeks. So I'm actually have seen two operas in the last like two or three weeks and I'm gonna see two more in the next week. I'm very pumped about that uh, and so I'm gonna talk about that because actually one of those uh, that I saw about a few weeks ago was my first opera. Um, and so before I actually get into how to attend the opera, I want to get on my soapbox, which uh, podcast is in its own way a soapbox, so I'm gonna get on the soapbox on top of the soapbox and talk about how a person who has never been to the opera before runs her own opera podcast. Um, because as I was prepping for this episode, I put out a bunch of uh, feelers on social media to kind of ask you guys um, it, what kinds of questions you have about attending the opera. And one of one of the responses I got on multiple occasions from people was, how do you... How are you, they were just shocked that I was this person who they kind of saw as an expert, um, but I'd never been to an opera before um, prior to that time. And yeah, I, I think one, opera is, has this reputation for being very fancy, very elitist, uh, being reserved for people who have money or who have kind of class knowledge and stuff and um one um I have talked about this in the past is that um because of the coronavirus pandemic accessing operas online is super easy we have an episode about how to watch opera for free um so go check that out if you want to watch operas for free online um but basically like I also started watching opera during the pandemic. Um, I got into this during the pandemic. And so there wasn't really an option for me to go see an opera in person. I had to do everything over the internet, which I'm very lucky to have the means to go to an opera on my own if I wish to, especially now that they're open again. But I want to say, put it out there that if you can't, that doesn't mean that your fandom or your knowledge is anything less, um, I don't want us, I, I, I don't like the gatekeeping and I'm putting this official statement out there that if you never go to an opera, 
guess what? You can still be a legit opera fan and nerd and be an expert on it. Um, because yeah, you can just spend a lot of time on the internet watching operas and studying like arias and solos and all of this stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't want that to kind of stop people. Um, so with that being said, um, let's talk about how to actually go to the opera. (laughs) So how do we know what opera we want to see? Or how do we go, how do we go to our first opera? Uh, one, if you have a, if you have a local opera house, if you live in a big enough city that you have a local opera house, go check out the schedule that they have for the season. Um, check out what operas that they have in store. If there's any that in, in case you have already seen some operas online that, and you have any ones that you particularly like that you want to see, if you have some that you haven't seen, but maybe you've heard the story through, I don't know, a podcast or a friend, uh, and you really want to see it in action, um, that would be a great one to go for. Um, and then, yeah, you can pick like that. Um, if one thing I will caution on is, and I think I've mentioned this, is that I really like the functionality on online operas in that you can pause it and come back to it. Uh, Operas are very long. You will almost certainly be there for over two hours at a minimum. That is like on a very short opera, you will be there for two hours. You, most of the few hours I've been to, I've been there for at least like three hours. Um, and so keep that in mind. If you haven't been to an opera before, um, especially, I don't know, anyone who really appreciates Wagner, but if you watch Wagner and you're always hitting pause, maybe that's a sign to not go to a Wagner opera for the first time. So Wagner is a German composer who writes notoriously long operas. Most of his operas range in like three and a half to five hour time frame. Um, I, as much as I like opera, am a very fidgety person. I cannot, I also cannot just sit around and binge watch TV shows um, because I just get too antsy. I need to like get up and move. So that's something to keep in mind. But here's the thing is that while that is true, um, all of these operas there, like, yes, they don't expect you to sit down for three hours. They have built-in intermissions, just like a musical. However, the intermissions are actually kind of long. The intermission is maybe 20 to 30 minutes. So you have time to go to the bathroom, to have a drink, um, to do all of that, to chit chat, to move around. Uh, but then granted, the period of time that you are sitting for is usually going to be anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half. Um, so things to think about if you, uh, know yourself well enough to know what is the period of time that you can't sit down for. Um, so with that being said, I personally cannot really see myself going to a Wagner opera just because I know I don't really have it in me. Um, I will appreciate that with my online computer, with my computer where I can hit pause and play, uh, and take breaks as I need them. Um, but 
that's one thing to think about is like the timing. Um, and then also if you go and check the schedule and you see that there's nothing on there that you know, well, one, you can check, um, our past episodes to see if there's any that you want to listen to and learn more about the plot. Um, (laughs) but you can also, a lot of times opera houses will have like a little brief summary on the, the, the page for the opera with all the like, um, tickets that explains the story of the opera, but not just explains the story of the opera, but but we'll have like some promotional photos, uh, and maybe even a trailer where, so you can actually see how it's staged because a lot of the times these opera houses have, um, creative directors and, um, kind of like a movie opera stagings also have directors, uh, and set designers and costume designers. So, and they're all kind of aligning on one creative vision for the performance. And so just because something is set in, and I know I always mention when a certain opera takes place, uh, but opera houses will, you know, take their creative license. And so, for example, the opera that I saw for the first time was La Noce de Figaro, which does take place in it, it, the Le Noce de Figaro is by Mozart, um, so it takes place kind of like way back when, past the 17th century. Um, however, the staging, uh, it was all like 80s themed, which was so fun. Um, there's disco balls, it was really bright colored clothing, it was completely up my alley. Um, but those are the thing, kinds of things that I could see when I went onto the website and see, okay, they have really fun costumes and they have really fun set design. Um, and so that's just to say that always click around on the website and see what that like style of the production is. Because also like maybe you have a really favorite opera, but you the thing you like about the opera is kind of like the extravagance of it. Um, there's some operas where it's they're about like very rich people. Right. And it kind of seeing the like costumes and everything is so fun, but there are people who like to take the creative direction, more of a minimal approach. And so, um, if you don't like a minimal set design, then that's something to factor in and to say like, maybe this is my favorite opera, but this isn't really the staging that I want to see it in. Um, so those are all kind of things to weigh, Uh, the other thing is that if you don't live near an opera house, um, find things that are like, I mean, I'm not saying travel out of your way, but if I think that actually could be a really fun trip. Um, but you can one, check out regional opera houses, things that are a little, maybe like a little city trip. Uh, so for example, I'm actually going on a little trip to Bavaria, which is in the South of Germany. And but the the center of Bavaria is actually Munich, a uh, pretty big city in Germany and has its own opera house. It's called the Bayerische Staatsoper. Um, and so I knew I was going to be spending a week in Bavaria. And so I said, OK, let me check out what Bayerische Staatsoper is doing this week. And then because of that, I was able to see that they're actually playing Tosca. So I'm going to go see Tosca. Um, and yeah, I'm going to like go and explore this new opera house and like see what it, how it looks. And it's always just like a very, um, I think especially with these kind of historic European opera houses, it's not always about the opera. It's, it's also very nice to go and see the opera house, to see just like the architecture and the decoration. And it, 
it's it's just very beautiful place to be uh it feels very nice to be there um but yeah and so I think that's that's what I would say is try to factor in all of these different things or at least factor in the things that are most important to you so if it's really important to you that it has a really cool uh visual aesthetic definitely check out the promotional photos that the opera house is putting out if it's important to you that there's a really popular singer follow that singer's schedule and see where they're playing and try to go there um and also if you just like traveling and just want to say like oh i like traveled here and been to the opera house here and i've been to the opera house here i know i know some people travel and decide to get tattoos in each of the countries that they go to and you know it can be your thing to go and travel and say i've been to the opera house here and i've been to the opera house here um yeah decide what your thing is or decide what's important to you and go off of that um and if you're completely new to it i highly recommend thinking about the timing aspect now we've decided on an opera (laughs) maybe we haven't decided an opera maybe we're actually scared about how much the tickets cost um and so in that case i want to actually talk about how do we go to the opera if we're on a budget um a lot of the times opera houses put on programs because see the thing is that opera houses are heavily subsidized uh by like art foundations or the government, uh, especially in Europe. Um, and I would say it's probably a little bit more scattered in the States. Um, but I know that various opera houses have under 30 programs. So if you're under the age of 30, you qualify to get reduced tickets and that looks different in different places. And I can give some examples. So in Berlin, We have something called the classic card. And so you pay maybe 15 or 20 euros to get this card that then allows you to go um, and get tickets uh, for like 10 euros for operas and 8 euros for ballets. So you can actually use it in a bunch of different places. You can use it at the opera and not just at one of our opera houses. You can use it at many of our opera houses and you can use it at the symphony and you can use it at the ballet. So um, it's pretty flexible. Um, So that's what the under 30 program in Berlin normally looks like. Uh, I might have mentioned earlier, sorry, my German, Uh, Staatsoper. (laughs) Bear with me. I'm still learning German. Um, Staatsoper Berlin is having this promotion right now where for anyone under the age of 30, any seat for the next six weeks is 12 euros. It's called, um, Staatsoper zum Kinopreis, which means, uh, like the Staatsoper, like the opera, the Berlin opera at the, the, the price of a movie ticket. So, really trying to make it super accessible. And that's actually being funded by the like friends of the Staatsoper organization. So this is an instance where it's kind of like a limited time promo and, but you can get really great seats. For example, I have already bought multiple tickets on this promotion. I saw Madame Butterfly in seats that normally cost 90 euros. Saw them in seats for me cost 12 euros. And on 
in, in a few days, I'm going to go see, I'm going to go see Così Fan Tutte in seats that normally cost 160 euros for 12 euros. I am, I, you know what? I'm really excited because I love a deal. I cannot get enough of a good deal. Um, and I need to talk about it. Um, but truly like I'm going to be sitting in the third row for 12 euros. That's insane. Um, so there are programs that kind of pop up every once in a while. So I would watch out for them. Um, the way that the best way I know to do that is to actually just follow those opera companies on social media. Um, also have friends who know that you're into opera and then send you things that they see. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, like this is that, that was a very particular example for Berlin where like the under 30 program is kind of like dependent on having a card and blah, blah, blah. But the under 30 program in other places just looks like, Hey, if you're under 30, then we have special reserve seats in various price groups that, um, we sell, we sell once a month for the following month. Um, and you just automatically get it. Like you don't have to have the card or anything. So the programs definitely vary by location. Uh, check out whatever's closest to you and see. Um, but besides like just being young, there are in general, um, so we have it, we have this in Germany where we have reduced cost tickets. So this is if you're unemployed, if you're a student, if you have any kind of special stat protected status, um, usually can find a reduced cost ticket. Um, so if you think the opera is too expensive, I would definitely check out like some of these programs and some of these options, uh, and just investigate like what is affordable and in your price range. Um, for that first opera I did go to see, which is the Noce de Figaro, uh, I did end up buying restricted viewing seatings. So, um, one of the things is that when you go to buy the tickets, uh, depend. Okay, <laughs> I sound like a broken record, but it always depends on the opera house you're using. But a lot of the times, in the ones that I've been browsing, you as you're clicking through the map, they'll actually give you um, a photo that shows you what the view of the stage looks like from the seat that you have selected. So, uh, what that means is that if you want to buy that restricted viewing seat that is a little bit cheaper, so. Um, my restricted viewing seat that I bought was maybe something between 20 and 30 euros, uh, which I guess would equate to being around 28 to 35 euros. <laughs> I'm trying to do currency conversion on the fly. It's not very good. Um, restricted viewing seats, you can still have a totally fun experience. I had a great time. There were things that were a little bit off screen, but for the most part, I saw most of everything and I was, had a great time. Uh, the other thing, and this is totally dependent on the opera house is some places offer, um, hearing only seats. So these are seats that are so high. You can't actually see the, the stage. Um, and so far away, you can't see the stage. It's only to actually hear what's going on. Uh, and there's also opera houses that have standing room seats. So you need to know that you're going to be comfortable to just like stand for long enough. Um, and so if that's something that you're okay with, go for those seats. Um, if you want like the full experience of an opera where you're absorbing the, the scenery and everything that's going on on stage, then maybe not a hearing only seat, but 
if you're okay with it, then go for it. And here is my, I'm going to add one caveat about the restricted viewing seats. And this is about surtitles. So opera houses nowadays have surtitles. Uh, now that we have modern technology, we have LED screens and stuff, they can actually put the the lyrics that are being sung up on so that you can read what is being sung. So you don't actually have to understand Italian if you are, you know, if you live in Germany uh, and you don't speak Italian, you can go watch an Italian opera, still be understand what's being sung. So in Staatsoper and Deutschoper, um, the surtitles, there's two surtitles, one's on the left, one's on the right, one's in German and one's in English. Uh, we're a very international community here. So, um, I will caution that when I booked my restricted viewing seats, I did not pay attention to which side the surtitles would be on. Um, which means that I went, went to go sit down and I was like, oh man, I can't actually see one of the surtitles, the the one on, I couldn't see the one that was on the left. And I was like, I really hope that's not the English one. <laughs> um, and I got really lucky. The opera started. I looked up the surtitles that the, the surtitles of the side that I could see were in English. And I was just like, God bless. Um, because otherwise that would have been a very long three and a half hours. But, um, one, I would definitely like see if it shows up on the seating map when you're trying to book tickets. And if not, um, give the opera houses a call or maybe I'll talk to them and have them added to the seat map. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but that's something to think about is like kind of confirm where the, the surtitles that you need to use are going to be. Um, and I guess this tip is actually only applicable to people who are in like kind of international locations. So, um, you know, people who don't speak German, who live in Germany, that's what's up. Um, if you're in America, I think all the surtitles are in English anyways. So, um, you're probably all set. Um, and they're probably in the center, but because we have two languages, they're split in half. So things to consider when you're in a place with multiple surtitles. Um, cool. So now, now we're over the price hurdle. We're over the, we've picked the opera and it's a few days before the opera is coming. And we're like, oh man, what do I have to do? Do I, guess what? You have to do prep work. Operas come with homework. I'm kidding. It's not really homework. It's more like kind of what you already do when you listen to this podcast, which is understand the plot of the opera. Um, remember that the opera is being sung in this very specific style. The opera is also a visual experience. So there is the set design. There are these lavish costumes. Um, there's all this stuff happening. And you're also taking in the acting and the performance of it all. Um, you don't always want to be looking up at the surtitles. Like, yes, they're, they're great if you are trying to kind of like see exactly what's being said. But if you've already listened, heard what the story and the plot of the opera is and how it goes, then you will already have a general sense of what's happening in every scene as it's happening. And you won't necessarily have to rely on the surtitles to understand what's going on. Um, and so I think 
my friend made a really good comment about this um, before I went to go see Le Nozze de Figaro, um, which is actually an opera that I had never seen before. And so I knew I had to study up on it. And like with most things, I procrastinated and we were sitting down and having like snacks before we went to the opera. And I had my opera book in my lap and him and my mom were trying to talk to me. And I was like flipping through the book, trying to read the script and was like, yeah, yeah, I'll be done in like five minutes. I just need to figure out the plot here. And he was like, is this, is this he made a great comment. He was like, is this the equivalent of cramming before an exam? And it really, really was. I was truly trying to figure out like what the plot would be because I knew that if I just went in without knowing the story, I would be totally lost. And I'm glad I didn't because the story is actually fairly complicated. Maybe it'll be a future episode. Um, it's fairly complicated. There's a lot of like switcheroos and like disguises and people dressed up as other people. So kind of confusing. And so actually knowing all the different like character relations was super useful because again, they're speaking, singing in Italian and in an operatic voice. So hard to understand. Um, so one highly recommend studying up on the opera beforehand. Uh, that's not, I think you can still have a good time if you don't, um, but you're going to spend a lot of time reading the surtitles and why read surtitles when you can look at fun costumes and disco balls and people like singing their hearts out. Um, so that's how I would recommend preparing for the opera is just kind of like going through the plot, making sure you understand what's happening. Um, but otherwise, like if you know what's happening, then you can follow along. And the other thing in the, uh, the, the opera house on their page for the, the opera, they'll usually tell you also like when you can expect a break. So they'll say like, there'll be a break between X one and then X two and three. Um, so, and sometimes they tell you how long the break is going to be and you can kind of like get a sense of like how long it's going to take the whole thing. Um, and now, now we've had our, we've picked our opera, we've afforded it and we've also studied up on it. Um, but what are we going to wear? Uh, remember, let's go back to this fact that operas are very long. This is an endurance sport. My friends wear something comfortable don't wear something that is going to pinch in your belly or be itchy or be uncomfortable because you're going to have to sit in that for hours. And like, one, you want to look good. But don't forget that you can look good and be comfortable. And also don't forget that a lot of opera houses, and I guess I should have mentioned this in the ticket price too, is that a lot of opera houses, they will still have tickets. Uh, sometimes they still have tickets left over like an hour before the performance. And so they usually have programs where they kind of just like offer those as walk-up tickets. So anyone can kind of go in an hour before the performance and see if there's any tickets available and buy them on the cheap, maybe like 10 to 20 euros this is <laughs> more Berlin. I know that's how it works in Berlin. I think 
most places have something similar. I know even Broadway musicals do this kind of thing too. Um, so you can get these last minute tickets. And so that's also a situation where if you're walking in at the last minute to just like see if you can get a cheap ticket to the opera, you're probably not going to, you're going to be walking up off the street. You're not going to prepare a ball gown to see if there might be a ticket for you. So that's to say that even if you prep, you have your ticket well in advance and you like make this nice dress, like don't be surprised if you see people who are walking around in like jeans and t-shirt. Um, personally, I wore kind of like, I think I went like late summer. So I wore just like a summer dress, uh, with a kind of like jacket. Um, and I wore my beat up sneakers. <laughs> I, I think you can kind of get away with some things cause maybe it's Berlin and it's a little bit, things are a little bit more casual here, but, um, I think it was still fine. And the thing is that if you, and I think this is also maybe just like my personal take on fashion kind of filtering in is that if you feel good in what you're wearing, you're going to look good. And this is how I kind of take out my clothes anyways. So if I feel good in this and I think it's going to work for me in this situation, then I'm already confident about it. So wear things you know you look and feel good in. Um, and, you know, you don't have to go and spend $100, 100 euros or something on a ball gown. You don't need to do that because guess what? Sometimes there's already like really fancy people who are doing that. And that's also part of the fun of going to the opera. This is some of the side benefits of going to the opera is that they're like models and per like celebrities and personalities who get dressed up for it. And you know what? That's called people watching. Um, when I went to the opera back in September, it was actually the first night that they, the Berlin Staatsoper was allowed to fill all of the seats. So they had been open and running performances prior to this, but with uh, distance between seats that they were selling. So this time they actually had a full house um, and it was a really big deal. There was a uh, red carpet and there was all these kind of like famous in the classical world, I guess, and models and German TV personalities and stuff. And so there's so many cool ball gowns and so, oh my gosh, such cool fashion. It was just a delight to see um, so many beautiful outfits. And so, you know, as an average person, I'm never going to compare to that. So I think it's perfectly fine to wear the thing that makes you look good and go with that and don't let other people look down on you about it. Um, because you know what? We're all there to appreciate the opera and to sit in you're all sitting in darkness anyways and watching this opera. Go enjoy it. Um, make sure you're comfortable. So I hope we can all feel comfortable going in and just wearing what do we want. And remember, the same night that I saw all of these ball gowns, I also saw people wearing polo t-shirts and jeans. So I was like, I am not on the polo t-shirts and jeans side of the spectrum. I am not on the ball gown side of the spectrum. I am a late summer's dress side in the middle kind of gal right now. Uh, and 
that's okay. It's all okay. Um, next, when should you arrive to the opera and what should you bring? So I think if you've never been there before, I would recommend arriving at least 30 minutes beforehand. Um, you don't know what the line's going to be like. It's kind of like the airport. You don't know what the line's going to be like. Get there. And also, even if there's no line, it's really nice to kind of walk around because a lot of these opera houses are just stunning. There's so many details. There's so many like architectural intricacies to just like look at. And so, you know what? Get in, find your seat, but then walk around. Why not take it all in? Enjoy it. Like, I... As I mentioned with the people watching, it's the opera is great, but it's not just about the the what you're seeing on stage. It's about everything else that's going on. It's so it's such a big like experience, I think. And yeah. So I think 30 minutes beforehand is good. It gives you enough time to get through a line, get um get, find your seat and then kind of amble about explore and do what you want and keep in mind you can also explore during the like intermissions when you have them if there's more than one if there's just the one you can also explore during that one but you can also get a drink you can also go to the bathroom you can do so many things um so i recommend 30 minutes i'm personally a person who also likes to as i said i procrastinate on tasks and i also tend to like show up to things a little bit like later, kind of, um, on the edge of when you should get there. Uh, so if you already know that you like to be to things or get to things early, get to the thing. Maybe if I'm saying 30 minutes, get to there 45 minutes early. So that's when you should get there. Um, what you should bring (laughs) wallet, cash, uh, your phone, turn your phone off during the performance. Don't have it on. I would die of embarrassment if my phone went off during a performance. I saw Madama Butterfly the other night and I heard someone's phone go off kind of close to like the very gripping, sad scene at the end. And I was like, oh my God, what if my phone goes off in that last moment? But I also didn't have the guts to check my phone. I knew it was on silent, but I didn't have the guts to check. And I was like, so you know make sure you turn that stuff off um also this is a great point to to mention is that the environment is so immersive it is kind of like a movie you know the lights are a little down everyone's focus is on this one thing everyone's kind of just like engrossed in the story um So if you're the person whose phone goes off or if you're the person coughing, you are also the person taking everyone out of that experience and distracting from that. So if you already know you have a cough or you have some kind of like stuffy nose or something, especially in COVID times, I feel like we all feel like some shame if we just accidentally cough on the subway. It's like we know it's like, oh, I got some dust stuck in my throat, but you still feel bad about the cough. I, even more so in the opera house, just be careful with that. Like, bring some cough drops just in case. Um, um, so just so that you can quickly, like, 
get rid of the coughing uh, because it's kind of annoying to other people. And I know, like, I used to be a really big cougher. It's sometimes hard. It's it's hard to control, hard to stop. But in the end of the day, like, you're around hundreds, thousands of other people in this opera house. You're not the only one. So uh, try try to plan some contingencies for your coughing. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I guess bring anything else you think you might need, um, for being there for three to four hours. Um, and yeah, I, I, the one thing I mentioned about with like the wallet and the money is not just cause like, maybe you want to go out afterwards or maybe you want to go out beforehand. Um, but, uh, some opera houses have like a little kind of like bars, mini cafes inside of them so that during that intermission you can like get a drink, get a snack. Um, so I recommend probably not getting drunk for the opera. Um, if you're drunk, you might not really be able to, uh, it's an endurance sport again, so you might not be able to make it the whole way. Um, but I also, I'm not saying don't drink. I think having a little apéro and a little opera apéro before the opera is always enjoyable. Having a little zect, a little like bubbly in the intermission, it, it can't hurt. Um, I mean, but just remember, you're not trying to get wasted before this. So, and one thing to keep in mind. Um, and then the next thing I want to talk about is how does the applause work? Um, and there's this idea, uh, if you've never been to the opera, then you might not know this, but there's this thing of saying bravo or brava. Um, bravo is for like male performers and brava is for female performers. Um, there's also toy, toy, toy. Uh, toy, toy, toy is kind of like break your leg in the theater world. It's like good luck before a performance. Um, and bravo and brava is like, uh, after a singer has performed and, and like everyone's applauding you. So you might hear that shouted from the crowd. Um, but so the point is on this is like, how does applause work? And I will, one, my leading rule on this is that follow the crowd. You know, if you don't know what to do, you know what, even I could tell you what to do and it could also not be right in whatever situation you end up in. So I would say follow the crowd because there people are going to clap when they want to clap. Um, I would never leave the clapping. <laughs> Um, I can, I think also like applause style has changed a little bit over time and can have, uh, regional variations. Um, so basically most of the time, and this is a general rule, most of the time you do not applaud after every single song. You usually applaud at the end of an act. Um, and then at, of course, at the end of the whole opera. One thing to note here is there, if there is a very particularly like big aria, an aria being a song that one singer sings to express their character's feelings, um, sometimes significant arias get applauses 
and this is where I kind of lean on that rule of like follow the rest of the audience. So there are areas where I was like, oh my God, that was huge. And like, I, I was like, this definitely is an applause area. Um, and then kind of like waited to see if other people applauded and it was like, okay, yeah, they did. All right. Yes. Perfect. My kind of intuition was right. And so kind of like to summarize, it's after every act at the end and whenever significant arias happen, um, or whenever significant arias end. And I will say that also because I mentioned applause kind of style, as I call it, has changed over time. So I have seen um, opera recordings where it's like the 70s or the 80s and the singers come out in a line after like every scene for applause. And I haven't really seen this done today. Um, And I've also at this point have been to like two operas. And so La Noce de Figaro, which I saw, uh, the acts ended, we applauded and we had our break and then we came back and we like, and then only at the end did everyone like come out in a line. But then I saw the Madama Butterfly the other night and the whole cast came out in a line for applause after the first act. And then they did the same again at the end of the opera. So this is got like why I say lean on what the audience is doing is because even in the same time frame, in the same location, there's still a variation. And so uh that's just goes to so show that like it it changes and it's fine to not know it and it's fine to rely on those other like kind of like social cues. So kind of take a look around, like wait for other people to clap and then clap along with them and that's my guidance. Um, cool. So actually, we bought our, we figured out which opera we're going to. We bought our tickets. We did, we dressed ourselves. <laughs> we arrived to the opera. We sat down. We watched it. We didn't get drunk. And now we've applauded. And now we're at the end of the opera. And so now we've attended our first opera. Or we've just attended a opera. And we've had a refresher on how to attend the opera. Um, I guess that brings us to the end of the episode because we're done attending the opera. No, uh, I think one nice touch, um, is that as I, whenever I leave the shots open, they have little like plates by the exit doors that have little packets of tea. So they kind of give you a nice little like tea packet so you can go home, make yourself a nice cup of tea and right before bed. Um, cause a lot of time the opera starts at like what, like six or 7 PM. So you're going to be there until like 10, 11. Um, and then by the time you get home, it's very late. <laughs> um, so want to wind down with a nice cup of tea. Um, okay. To be quite frank, I still haven't had my tea yet. I just think it's a really cute idea. Um, and I'm, I will, I'll go brew the tea. I'll brew the tea and I'll try it. I'm sure it'll be very nice. Um, but yeah, I hope this was helpful. I think I really want to emphasize how much I think that like going to the opera should not be a thing that's restricted to certain upper echelons of society. I think 
especially because that kind of view is also what's going to like keep opera from not, not moving forward. Like there's kind of a joke in that, um, or at least I've heard this joke is that, um, when you see pictures of like opera audiences, it's all white heads, um, because, opera is mostly attended by older people and so a lot of those like programs for like under 30 or reduced costs is trying to get people who are like new audiences into this kind of art form and so there are a lot of these outreach efforts I think it's worth investigating and trying to find and check it out and have a fun at least try it out and even if you don't like the opera um It'll be an interesting experience. Um, oh, the one thing, <laughs> if you don't like it, um, I want to talk quickly about falling asleep at the opera. <laughs> I think it's okay. The lights are very low. The music is very beautiful. And I just think those are all the right conditions to fall asleep. So, even if you are very into the opera, and I am, and I have shut my eyeballs for a minute or two just to, you know, I think I, I try to I try to play it off as like, oh, I'm soaking in the music and just like the beauty of this moment. But yeah, my I'm, my eyes are tired. I'm tired of sitting there. But also, it's very beautiful. So, <laughs> um, don't feel bad if you <laughs> partially fall asleep. I think the setting is very conducive to it. Um, and now I have covered everything. Uh, so thank you for listening. I hope this cleared up some things about going to the opera. I hope you all go to your first operas, go to your first operas since the pandemic is over. Uh, I'm not, sorry, the pandemic's not over, but you know, since lockdown's over. Uh, and, have a delightful time and we'll be back with more regularly scheduled opera plot explanations and discussions in two weeks. Bye.